This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 16 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. Please listen to Season 6, Episode 15 for more details on this two-part case. This episode contains distressing themes and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. They Walk Among Us is part of the Acast Creator Network. William and Patricia Witcherly had not been seen for a decade and a half. Family, friends, doctors and financial institutions all assumed they were alive, enjoying a new zest for life during their later years, taking in the fresh air and sightseeing at seaside towns across the country. But the couple, who rarely socialised with anyone else, were not living the life of Riley. Far from it. Acting on a tip-off, officers moved in, digging a pit near the patio and then a trench across the lawn. Within days, they'd unearthed a mystery which had lain undisturbed for more than a decade. Buried in the back garden of a small, semi-detached house at Forest Town in Mansfield, officers find the remains of Patricia and William Witcherly. They'd both been shot and put there by their daughter and son-in-law back in 1998. 
the Wycherleys' remains had been wrapped in bedding and buried in the back garden of their then home. Fifteen summers would pass before the police received a tip-off and turned up, informing the new owner of what lay beneath their patio. William and Patricia Wycherley's daughter and son-in-law would eventually admit their guilt when they confessed to burying the bodies and stealing the Wycherley's fortune. However, Susan Edwards and her husband Christopher denied murder. Susan claimed she was provoked following a childhood of abuse and an act of infidelity. The Crown disagreed, arguing that Christopher Edwards was the trigger man and the claims made by the accused were a tall tale concocted to escape charges of multiple counts of murder. A jury at Nottingham Crown Court would have to decide. As the second day of the trial unfolded during that first week of June 2014, William and Patricia Wycherley's niece Vivian Steenson addressed the court. She had previously spoken with reporters when the bodies of her aunt and uncle were found in the Wycherley's former home. The first time Vivian recalled meeting William and Patricia's daughter, Susan was in her teenage years. The witness remembered Susan as shy. She did not speak much. Defence counsel for Susan's husband, Davith Enoch, questioned Vivian Steenson about Susan's father. The jury were told how William Witcherly instantly took a dislike to Christopher Edwards when the pair first met. William Witcherly's behaviour was characterised as irrationally jealous a feeling which increased when Susan and Christopher were married. This seemed to add some weight to Susan Edwards' defence in court. She claimed that her father sexually abused her when she was younger. Another of William Wycherley's nieces took to the stand and spoke about how William was perceived. Hilary Rose labelled her uncle the, quote, black sheep of the family. Further relatives testified about what they thought had happened as no one had seen the Wycherleys for some time. Niece Christine Harford first believed William and Patricia had taken their own lives in a suicide pact. But when the wider family began to receive greetings cards and correspondence... Everyone assumed William and Patricia had moved further afield or were living abroad. Given the couple's solitary existence, no one thought any more of it, unaware that the Wycherleys had been buried in their back garden. As the trial progressed... The prosecutor turned his focus to the state of the bodies after they had been found, the subsequent condition of the remains, and any clues left behind. Both of the victims had been shot twice, and this was confirmed when the bullets were examined by forensic consultant and firearms expert Ulden Kabani. 
the shooter had stood face to face with the Wycherleys when the gun was fired. Both had sustained considerable damage to their pelvic bones. Kulden Kabani scrutinised the ammunition and confirmed the projectiles were fired from a Second World War Colt Commando revolver. This was identified due to the unique markings on the bullet casings. The remains were found along with the casings that had been expelled from a weapon that was described as low velocity. Several of the bullets were retrieved inside the bedding wrapped around the bodies. While Christopher Edwards denied he pulled the trigger, evidence of his involvement in moving the bodies was presented to the court through the form of interview transcripts written when Edwards was questioned after the couple's arrest at St Pancras train station. During the conversation, Edwards characterised the behaviour of Susan's father. William was described as someone who was out of a, quote, D.H. Lawrence novel. He had a strong personality, and he used it effectively. Christopher Edwards informed officers from the East Midlands Major Crime Unit that along with his wife, they first moved the body of Patricia Witcherly into the makeshift grave, followed by Patricia's husband, William. Edwards said, Susan had cut their clothes off them and put them in duvet covers. I looked under the bed and there were these two forms underneath and that was enough for me. We didn't have a car so we couldn't get them anywhere so it had to be the back garden. We stood over the hole trying not to fall in and we dropped her into it. Literally dropped her in. You could hear various gurgling noises as all the blood was coming out. We quite literally had blood on our hands. When Christopher Edwards gave his statement to police, he told them that he was not made aware that his wife's parents had been shot to death until a week after the incident, and it was then he helped bury them. In his statement, Edwards told officers that he did not notice any signs of decomposition and he did not smell a strong odour from the bodies. However, the prosecutor pointed out this would have been impossible referencing the testimony from several expert witnesses. Dr Martin Hall, an entomologist from the Natural History Museum in London who had examined the bodies, could find no signs of blowflies. The insects play an essential role in identifying a time of death as they will often colonise remains quickly. The life cycles of blowflies are well documented so the age of larvae can be used to determine when someone died. As there was no evidence that the insect was present in the remains, Dr Martin Hall explained that it could be assumed the bodies were buried soon after death. By the same token, a Home Office pathologist who carried out the post-mortems was also called to the stand. He was questioned about the condition of the remains after the bodies were unearthed 
and offered his thoughts about the account provided by Christopher Edwards. When moving the bodies out from under a bed where they had apparently been concealed for a week, Christopher Edwards had told officers when interviewed, there was no decomposition and no odour. Dr Stuart Hamilton felt this was an untrue account, as it was more likely the bodies had been moved soon after William and Patricia had been killed. If the bodies were stored in a warm room for seven days, the skin would have blistered and a marble effect would be present. The skin may even come away from the body when it was being moved. Dr Hamilton said, If you left a chicken out at that temperature for a week, it would create a smell that overwhelmed everything else. And here we are talking about two adult human beings. It's pungent, it's foul and it's pervasive. On opening the door, it would have been instantly apparent. It's not a subtle smell. In spite of the evidence from expert witnesses... Christopher Edwards flat out denied he had anything to do with the murders. He was adamant that he did not gun down his mother and father-in-law in cold blood. Edwards did, however, admit that he owned guns in the past, three revolvers to be precise, and he was previously a member of a shooting club until the mid-90s when a change in the law came into effect following the shootings in Dunblane. Occasionally, his wife had accompanied him to the shooting range. However, when questioned about her thoughts on firearms, Edwards admitted that Susan was scared of guns and could not bear the noise. She always put her fingers in her ears. It was pointed out to the jury that Christopher Edwards had at one point owned a 38 calibre revolver. This model would have been able to fire the bullets used to end the Wycherley's lives. Still, Edwards insisted that he was no longer in possession of any firearms. They had apparently all been sold before the Wycherley's were murdered. When questioned by his counsel, Davith Enoch, Christopher Edwards testified that the weapon used in the killings was owned by William Wycherley. William had obtained the firearm during his time in the Navy. After the shooting, it was claimed that the revolver was wrapped in a carrier bag and disposed of in a bin in Mansfield Town Centre. Christopher Edwards spoke about the relationship with his wife and how Susan had few friends. The couple spent most of their time together. Edwards admitted that Susan was a fantasist when she claimed to have hundreds of pages of written correspondence from French actor Gérard Depager. She also frequently spoke of meeting Bill Shankly, a renowned Scottish football player and manager. However, none of it was true. Christopher Edwards had always thought the letters from Depager composed between the early 90s and the mid-2000s were real as they were convincingly written, mentioning where the actor was raised and a number of French landmarks. Only when Susan's belongings were reviewed and legal proceedings began 
that he learned the letters were fabricated. Susan Edwards was obsessed with celebrities and owned an extensive collection of signed photographs and correspondence, a fascination that Christopher shared. It was this love of the rich and famous that had caused the couple to fall further into debt. Christopher Edwards said that he was not aware of his wife's actions when she started to transfer some of her parents' assets after their death. Before fleeing overseas, he admitted that he covered up the crimes and continued with the pretense that his in-laws were alive to protect his wife. It was the lack of money that forced them to return home. Edwards buried William and Patricia Witchley as, quote, throwing my wife to the wolves was not acceptable. He went on to say, It was our plan to hole up in France for as long as we could. It wasn't the case that I couldn't take it anymore. It was the case that we couldn't sustain ourselves anymore. I had one euro left in my pocket. We sat on a crowded train and we were very quiet. Christopher Edwards was questioned about his wife's relationship with her parents. From the stand, Edwards said that visits to see William and Patricia, often instigated on Patricia's behest, were always unpleasant. Susan only saw her parents sparingly, and the relationship began to break down further in the early 90s. The defendant explained that his wife bitterly disliked her father. Edwards said this was due to William Witchley's, quote, bullying demeanour and because of what happened to Susan when she was young. Under cross-examination, the prosecutor told Christopher Edwards that it was not Susan that pulled the trigger, but her all-too-willing husband. After all, Edwards knew how to handle a gun. Peter Joyce QC also emphasised the inconsistency with Edward's description of the bodies when he said there was no odour and no decomposition. If you had buried them the following weekend, both bodies would have been purging and leaking, Joyce said. Dr Stuart Hamilton made it plain that flesh would have come away in the hands of whoever had been carrying the mother's legs. And for you, the cheapest way out of this was to say that mum had shot dad, then provoke Susan into shooting mum. Edwards denied that he and his wife devised a story to cover their tracks and minimise their sentence. Peter Joyce QC highlighted to the court how it was impossible that Christopher Edwards did not initially know about the money Susan had supposedly transferred when Edwards was buying thousands of pounds worth of film memorabilia even when the couple were in terrible debt. Made in Edwards' name, they purchased some signed memorabilia by American actor Gary Cooper, an icon from the golden age of Hollywood. Edwards paid £14,000, and that was just one of many transactions. In a heated exchange, the prosecutor was shocked that Christopher Edwards could claim that he was unaware that money was being taken from the Witchelys' accounts. 
You were aware of the disaster that was your and your wife's finances, Peter Joyce QC said. What did you think about your parents-in-law's pensions? Lucky bonus? The next witness to take the stand was Christopher Edwards' wife, Susan. She admitted that she had ended her mother's life. In a subdued voice, Susan testified that it was her mother who shot her father. Susan explained that when she returned to London following the shooting in Mansfield, she told her husband that her parents were in Blackpool. She apparently did not confess to what she had done until a week later when both Susan and Christopher had travelled to Mansfield. They went out to get some dinner, and it was then she confessed to what she had done. Speaking about the admission to her husband, Susan testified. On the Friday, we got fish and chips. We were hungry, and there was a fish shop along the way. We were having our fish and chips and I said something like, I can't stand it anymore, they're upstairs. Chris said, what do you mean they're upstairs? They're in Blackpool. What are they doing? So I took him upstairs and I told him they were under the bed. Chris said that we must call the police after I'd explained to him what had happened. But I didn't want him to. It would have meant prison. And I didn't want that. According to the defendant, she forced her husband not to report what happened. She labelled her own actions as emotional blackmail. I held his arm and pulled him away, she said. He wanted to go to the phone. I used everything in my power, the love between us, for him not to call the police. Expanding on her relationship with her parents and the marriage between William and Patricia Witcherly, Susan Edwards told jurors at Nottingham Crown Court, I tried to get on with my mother, but I hated him, mainly for the abuse and the violence as well. They didn't seem to have a relationship. I never saw her wear a wedding ring, and there was nothing between them. My father said that I had made the house in London intolerable for him. He said he had terrible memories and he had to get away. My mother increasingly didn't like him. She didn't want to move to Mansfield. She preferred London. They didn't seem to have a life together. She thought she was having to do everything for him and he was still controlling her. She had asked me to go up to Mansfield to go and help her with my father as she didn't feel like she could cope by herself. There wasn't a lot to do when I got there and I went out for some walks by myself to get away from the atmosphere in the house. She was drinking and he was horrible. He said on a few occasions that he didn't want me in the house. The reasons why Susan Edwards supposedly pulled the trigger were also explored. Describing how she heard a loud noise and went to investigate, 
Susan testified about the shooting and what was said between mother and daughter. I got up and went across the hall, and I saw the door to the other bedroom was ajar, and the light was on. I went into the bedroom and saw my father on the floor and my mother standing over him. I knew my father was dead. I don't know how, but I just knew. She started saying things like I was an unwanted child and how she had wanted an abortion and that she had been to bed with Chris and that she knew my father had abused me. At some point she threw the gun onto the bed and I picked it up to get it away from her. I kept saying, please stop saying these things, but she didn't. She went on and on and on. At some point I lost it and I shot my mum. I don't remember the physical act of pulling the trigger. It was more than once. But I don't remember how many times. And I think I closed my eyes. After Patricia was fatally shot, Susan said she sat on the stairs of the house. The gunshots were so loud that she was certain that one of the neighbours would call the police. But when the distinguishable sound of sirens never penetrated the air of the quiet cul-de-sac, she began cleaning the scene. The bodies were undressed and temporarily moved under a bed. Unlike her husband, Susan did mention the smell, which she said she disguised with numerous cans of air freshener. She then went about destroying nearly all of the family's photographs along with any of the Witcherly's personal papers. Under cross-examination, the prosecutor told Susan Edwards that she wanted her father to die. Although Peter Joyce QC believed she did not pull the trigger, Susan was just as responsible for her father's murder. The defendant admitted that she hated William Witcherly, but did not kill him. She acknowledged her frustration regarding the money taken from her when the Witcherleys sold their home in London and moved to Mansfield. Susan had helped purchase the property after receiving an inheritance from her grandfather, however saw neither any of the profits nor her original deposit. Still, she was insistent this was not the motivation behind the killings. During her testimony, Susan repeatedly mentioned the childhood abuse she said she was subjected to, and she believed this made her retreat into a fantasy world of her own making. She accepted that she was sometimes unable to separate her own imagination from reality. Susan acknowledged this when discussing the letters she had written, pretending to be French actor Gérard Depardieu. She even went as far as purchasing a machine on the internet that could replicate French postmarks. She said she spent hours composing each of the letters, which she then addressed to herself. Susan confessed that she had continually deceived her husband, telling him some of the celebrity memorabilia was real. 
trying to unpick the threads of fantasy from reality, fact from fiction, was no easy task. The jury had to decide whether or not Susan Edwards was provoked into shooting her mother following the supposed discovery that Patricia Witchley had slept with her son-in-law, Susan's husband. Susan claimed that she was subjected to a childhood of sexual abuse from her father, which was the cause for Patricia to shoot her husband. Susan Edwards submitted that along with Christopher, they only perpetrated the lie that her parents were still alive, claiming the Witchley's pensions and withdrawing their savings, as they did not want to arouse suspicions and reveal what had happened. Edwards admitted that she killed her mother, but it was not murder. Christopher Edwards pleaded not guilty to multiple counts of murder, as he professed that he knew nothing of the killings, and just helped his wife conceal the bodies in the garden of the Witchley's then home. According to the defendant, that is as far as his involvement went. The husband and wife did, however, each admit to a charge of theft, stealing William and Patricia Witchley's savings, and obstructing a coroner in the execution of his duty. On the other hand, the Crown presented an argument that both Christopher and Susan Edwards plotted to kill Susan's parents in order to obtain their fortune. The murders were said to have occurred between May 1st and May 5th, 1998, and Christopher was the one to pull the trigger, not his wife. Once the accused had pocketed the Witchley's finances, this would provide Christopher and Susan Edwards with the funds needed to pay off their creditors and allow them to live more comfortably, able to afford all of the celebrity memorabilia they wanted. As soon as the banks were open after the May bank holiday in 1998, Susan withdrew £40,000 from her parents' account. However, their spoils did not stop them from falling back into the red. They ended up with only one euro between them. Their debts amounted to £160,000. They had purchased a significant amount of signed memorabilia, and their collection included autographs from Frank Sinatra and Winston Churchill. When they were taken into custody, they carried a suitcase full of what was left of their collection, which they believed was worth £15,000. The items would subsequently be valued, and it turns out they were only worth the fifth of what Christopher and Susan Edwards paid for them. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Deliberations began on Thursday, June 19, 2014. It took the jury of Christopher and Susan Edwards' peers six hours and 20 minutes to reach a decision on all charges. The eight women and four men of the jury rejected Susan's story of provocation that she killed her mother, Patricia, after Patricia had supposedly killed her husband, William. The jury also dismissed Christopher Edwards' claim that he was not involved in the killings. Susan and Christopher Edwards were unanimously found guilty of two counts of murder. Perhaps this decision came as no surprise to the accused. Neither Susan Edwards nor her husband either uttered a word or even reacted when the news of the verdicts came. Mrs Justice Thurwell said, You both know what the consequences are of convictions for murder. You will both be subjected to life sentences. What I have to consider before the sentencing in the case is the length of the minimum terms you shall each serve before you are considered for parole, and that exercise I will do on Monday. 
as the court emptied. Christopher slowly put an arm around his wife and caressed her back. They parted ways and would meet again for one last time when they were sentenced. For years, Susan and Christopher Edwards got away with murder by convincing the world her parents were still alive. Throughout their trial, the Edwards have insisted they've told the truth. Police say that from the moment they were arrested, the couple have displayed a heartless attitude. I think they're very cold people. Um, I think they are, they've shown absolutely no remorse whatsoever in what they've done. They knew that the Witcherleys were reclusive and probably wouldn't be missed. So hatched the plan to kill them and steal all of their money. Their secret lives unravelled, the secrets of the garden were finally unearthed and the years of lies have become years in prison. Susan and Christopher Edwards told the court they knew one day the lies would catch up with them. Today, they finally did. Both Christine Harford and Hilary Rose spoke about their uncle, William Witcherly, the horrific nature of the crimes, and how their mother would have been affected had she been alive. They said, It would have been extremely upsetting for her to discover the deception and lies practised by her niece, our cousin Susan and her husband Christopher, against her and others for so long, for their own selfish greed and gain. When Nottinghamshire police searched through public records for further information about the Witcherleys, there was almost none. It took a great deal of time to piece together who they were. Not a single picture of Patricia Witcherly could be found, and only a handful were available of her husband. Detective Chief Superintendent Rob Griffin of the East Midlands Major Crime Unit, who had been heavily involved in the investigation from the beginning, described how officers scrutinised every word that the Edwardses uttered in their interviews picking apart the inconsistencies and revealing a plot that involved premeditated murder for a quarter of a million pounds. As reported in the Mirror newspaper, DCS Griffin said, Their lifestyle wasn't particularly lavish. They were living in a small one or two bed council flat in Dagenham and spending their money on things like memorabilia and original autographs of people they admired. We are talking tens of thousands on that at the very least. They took in the region of £250,000 in a 15-year period and have spent the money on something. They haven't got anything to show for it other than those autograph pictures of people they admired. According to Susan Edwards, she had been abused by her father. However, during the investigation, the police said they could find no evidence to back up this allegation. While it was seen by some as another of Susan Edwards' lies to conceal what had truly happened, the validity of this claim would again rear its head during sentencing. How four gunshots could be fired in a quiet cul-de-sac and no one raised the alarm was also another mystery. It was theorised that the neighbours were out, maybe something the Edwardses knew, or it was simply blind luck that no one had heard. 
the cold-hearted way in which the couple described burying the bodies of two murdered people was addressed. And then together they both talk about dragging those bodies down the stairs and throwing them into a hole in the small hours of the morning that they'd prepared earlier that day. It was as if they were describing a moving piece of household furniture rather than moving the bodies of your parents or your in-laws. It was all very cold and sinister. The detective who led the inquiry went on to say, Susan and Christopher Edwards had 15 years to come up with an account of what happened that night in May 1998. In their interviews, they didn't stray from a well-rehearsed script and even used the same words and turns of phrases. I wonder whether they had started to believe their own lies. When sentencing Susan and Christopher Edwards a few days after the guilty verdicts came in, Mrs Justice Thurwell said the Wycherleys were living a quiet, reclusive life in Mansfield. They knew no one. They had as little contact as possible with other people. The judge told the husband and wife who had been convicted of the murders, quote, You knew they wouldn't be missed if they disappeared, and they weren't. They sold their house at a profit and bought a cheaper one in Mansfield and kept all of the proceeds. You never forgave them, and your resentment festered for years and at the same time you were getting yourselves into debt. The plan was to shoot them, to kill them, and you made sure you had a gun to do so. I'm sure it was you, Christopher Edwards, who held the gun. At point-blank range, you fired two bullets into each of them with deadly accuracy. I'm sure, Susan Edwards, that these killings were initially your idea, and that your husband agreed to carry them out. I have no doubt that you were acting together. Christopher Edwards' counsel, David Enoch, described both his client and Susan Edwards as not ordinary folk. They lived for each other, and they retired into a world of autograph hunting. Enoch said his client could not help but be drawn in. The judge raised the topic of the alleged abuse that Susan Edwards was to have suffered. And during mitigation, Susan's counsel, David Hauker, told the court how the abuse affected his client's life. Her father wanted nothing to do with Susan when she got married. Hauker said it could, quote, explain in some part of why it happened, that created in her, some would say, the justifiable hatred of him and would be akin to a slow-burning, festering provocation. David Halker QC told the court that his client would be a target behind bars. She had no children and was separated from the only person that mattered in her life, her husband. She would fundamentally be serving her sentence in isolation. At this point, Susan was witness breaking down in the courtroom. Her husband reached out to comfort her. Prior to the murder of her parents, Susan Edwards did not have a criminal record. 
she would be labelled as a person of good character before that fateful bank holiday in May 1998. Although the police could not verify that sexual abuse occurred, the judge felt at the very least this element of Susan Edwards' statement was true when balancing up the evidence about William Witchley's jealous behaviour and the accounts provided by relatives. This was not a decision that was reached lightly, and the judge felt this played into the fractured relationship between father and daughter and the reason for hostility and lack of remorse. Nonetheless, as so much time had passed between the abuse and the killings, it did not fully explain Susan Edwards' actions. Mrs Justice Thurwall did not agree with Susan's claims that she was the one who pulled the trigger. Instead, it was concluded that Christopher Edwards was responsible for the killings, given his past experience with firearms. I have no doubt that you were acting together, you, Susan Edwards, encouraging Christopher Edwards at the scene and assisting him later in concealing the bodies, the judge said. You are each as responsible as the other for these crimes, and I see no reason to distinguish between you on sentence. The judge stated that after Christopher Edwards pulled the trigger at point-blank range, it would have killed Patricia Witcherly almost instantly. For the final minutes of his life, William Witcherly would have watched his wife die and would have been in agony. Christopher and Susan Edwards knew they were facing life, and Mrs Justice Thurwell told them that they were both entirely culpable for their actions. The judge identified the aggravating factors and said the sentencing exercise was not simply ticking boxes, but accurately assessing the seriousness of the offences and culpability for a planned shooting for gain of two victims, one in his 80s. Having carried out these ruthless killings, you got rid of the bodies, the judge said. I use that phrase deliberately. There was in no sense a burial. There was no dignity, no respect. The point of this was to cover up the killings and move on to the next stage of your plan. For the crime of theft, Christopher and Susan Edwards received four years and for obstructing a coroner they received five years, both to be served concurrently with their life sentence. Much like when the verdicts were handed down days earlier at Nottingham Crown Court, Susan and Christopher Edwards, a husband and wife who had been found guilty of two counts of murder, barely flinched when they were told they would have to spend the next two and a half decades behind bars before they could be considered for parole. If the couple were released, serving only their minimum sentence, they would be in their early 80s. As Christopher and Susan Edwards left the courtroom, unlikely to ever see each other again, Neither said a word to one another.
On July 11th, a funeral service was held for William and Patricia Witcherly. Just over a dozen people attended the service, but few really knew the couple they were mourning. They were relatives, former neighbours and journalists who had covered the case. After the bodies were transported to Mansfield Crematorium, the celebrant described the Witchelys as living a contented, self-sufficient life before their death. Following the ceremony, a wreath of lilies was placed in the garden where the bodies were found. Susan Edwards had spent seven months behind bars when her legal counsel argued her case at the High Court before Lady Justice Rafferty, Mr Justice Baker and Mrs Justice Carr. Christopher Edwards also appealed the length of his sentence, but it was denied early on in the process and he did not take the argument further. Susan Edwards admitted that she killed her mother and hid the bodies of her parents in the garden of their home for 15 years. The claim that she was sexually abused was raised again. It was accepted by the trial judge that this did indeed take place, quote, on reflection and balance. The three appeal judges were told by David Halker that when Mrs Justice Thurwell decided on a sentence of 25 years, the judge possibly did not take into account the prolonged mistreatment that his client was subjected to and how this affected the level of provocation. Halker believed the law was misapplied when a minimum term was imposed, which he considered to be manifestly excessive. The appeal submission suggested that the abuse shaped Susan Edwards' personality, making her withdrawn and unsociable as a child, traits continuing into adulthood leading to her absence of friends and entire dependence on her husband. Alker said that if the judge rejected his defendant's circumstances, Mrs Justice Thurwell was wrong to do so, and quote, the imposition of this minimum term will probably result in Susan Edwards dying in prison. He said his client was vulnerable and naive and had led an isolated life. This meant she would have no one to visit her when she is locked up for at least the next 25 years. Also, Hauke believed that the trial judge had double-counted some of the relevant features of the case, with the suggestion that the element of concealing the bodies did not warrant such an uplift as the planning, the use of a firearm and murder for gain which had already been considered. David Halker QC believed a sentence of 15 to 16 years would be more appropriate. But the three appeal judges did not agree. Echoing the sentiments of the trial judge when Mrs Justice Thurwall addressed the alleged abuse Susan Edwards had suffered at the hands of her father. Quote, Given that you left home in the early 1980s, 
some 15 years before the murders. I cannot accept that his conduct, wholly wrong as it was, explains your decision to kill him in 1998. Susan Edwards' appeal was unsuccessful, and her sentence remained unchanged. So where are we now? Sue Bramley, who lives on Blenheim Close in the home where the bodies of William and Patricia Witchley were found, was interviewed by several reporters. While there had understandably been a great deal of tears and upset, Bramley made it clear that she did not wish to leave the property as it was a happy home for her family despite the ties to the crimes of Susan and Christopher Edwards. In the spot where the bodies had been buried, the grass would not grow. So concrete slabs were laid on the earth and pot plants were placed on the patio. Still inexplicably, barely any flowers would bloom. It was not until October 2013 when officers from the Nottinghamshire Police Force turned up at Bramley's front door and scene of crime officers dressed head to toe in white boiler suits flooded her garden, did she learn of Christopher and Susan Edwards' inconceivable actions. Sue Bramley observed how cold-hearted Christopher and Susan Edwards could be when they barely reacted as the proceedings unfolded. In an interview with BBC News, she said, I sat in court watching them. No reaction from anything. They sat like they were listening to the weather or the news. Christopher and Susan Edwards loved collecting celebrity memorabilia. This pursuit turned into an obsession when they had obtained the fortune of Susan's parents following the murders. In spite of the financial windfall they received stealing all of the Witcherly's savings, their love of the rich and famous saw them spiral further into debt. However, interestingly, it'll be Christopher and Susan Edwards' names that will be writ large when a new television show tentatively titled Landscapers went into production during 2020. It stars Olivia Coleman as Susan Edwards. Detective Chief Superintendent Rob Griffin was interviewed in January 2020, this time about the impending television series. His comments were reported on the Nottinghamshire Live website. I have mixed emotions about the programme being made, he said. It involves victims who have a family and people's lives have been changed forever because of this. Having said that, I understand why people want to hear about this case. It's a unique story, and I will be interested to see how it plays out on television. Newspaper articles, books, podcasts and now a television show have all been written about the case 
focusing on the lives of a celebrity-obsessed couple who turned to murder. What must they ponder now, contemplating their lives and the crimes they committed, sitting behind bars, apart from one another, held in a cell they might never leave until they take their final breath? Do they find it strange, given their fixation with celebrity, that their notoriety could very well see them briefly eclipse the very people they obsessed over, now that an Oscar winner and Hollywood star will be replaying Susan's misdeeds on the small screen for the world to see? What do they think when someone else has some form of interest in examining what they did? Their lives. Their transgressions. How must it feel to have their names splashed across the headlines? but for all the wrong reasons. Thank you for listening, and special thanks to our Patreon supporters. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast series, They Walk Among America, covering tales of murder and mystery in the United States. Just search for They Walk Among America in your favourite podcast player. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.